Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, it's round nine of the Formula One World Championship, and it saw Max Verstappen extend his championship lead as his main rivals faltered, with teammate Sergio Perez retiring from mechanical failure, and Charles Leclerc managing fifth from a back row grid slot because of engine penalties. Well, Verstappen led home Carlos Sainz by just 0.993 seconds. He would push him all the way to the line for the final 16 laps or so following a late safety car caused by Yuki Tsunoda hitting the wall on pit exits. Lewis Hamilton said he feels young again after his third place finish and a visit to the podium. That's the first time he's done that since Bahrain. I'm joined today by Luke Smith and Jess McFadden. Uh, they are on location at uh, at the circuit. I'm so jealous. Definitely one of those bucket list tracks you want to go to. And Matt Q, uh, who is uh, getting ready, I think, to write a bunch of stuff uh, for you to read over the next couple of days. We can't wait to hear his analysis as well. Uh, whether Ferrari had any chance of ending Red Bull's six-race winning streak in Canada, could science possibly have made a one-stop strategy work? That's my question. That would have been their first win since Australia. And with rivals talking up Mercedes' newfound pace, have they finally unlocked the secrets of the W13, or is it just all politics and mind games for other team bosses amid a potential regulation change on the horizon? Let's find out uh, the answers to those questions on the podcast today. Right, Luke, we'll come to you. First, I'll wheel out the cliches just to get them uh, done and dusted. You know, a masterclass, a champion's drive, etc. But really, it was Max's weekend. We're in the wet, in the dry, didn't have the best machinery. In fact, didn't even get fastest lap this weekend. That went to second place, Carlos Seitz. But he still converted it into a win and, and a really impressive one to carry on that winning streak. How did you see Max's uh, win today, Luke? Yeah, it was it was an excellent performance from Max. It, it really was. And I think that last year when we had the sort of quite fraught battle between Hamilton and Verstappen, Horner kept on saying, oh, he's just like, he's maturing so much, like he's driving his heart out and everything like that. And it was all a little bit cliched at the time, but actually 
like today, I thought the way he held on against science, it was all of those signs of, yeah, he's got the maturity, he's got the experience. It was his 150th Grand Prix, which is insane for a young man who's not even 25 years old yet. But I think we saw everything that is uh, is what makes Max Verstappen so great. I think really on displays today, I thought the way he held on and soaked up all of that pressure from science, it was really, really impressive. He said by his own admission, he thought that the Ferrari was a step ahead this weekend, that science had a bit too much pace. Science even said that he, think, he thought he had the, the faster packages well so it was um yeah just a really masterful display i think that in qualifying in particular max was always a step ahead he was just finding more and more time with every single run it was just a really impressive and very um very complete weekend from him and i think that the moment that first vsc came out and red bull pitted him it was always going to be a bit of a, a touch and go race in terms of rolling the dice a little bit on strategy and how it would shape up against the ferraris but i think max took everything that was thrown on him in his stride uh, towards the end of the race as well his radio actually failed so Red Bull couldn't hear anything he was saying although he could still hear his race engineer which is obviously the, the more important part of it so uh, yeah that was another little challenge for him but um, yeah there were just no mistakes from him this weekend I thought it was a really complete display and a richly deserved race win Dominant in qualifying, I think six tenths quicker uh, than second place uh, Fernando Alonso in the wet. He really got a handle of that car. But Luke, what was it about his performance today that kept him head ahead of the Ferrari, particularly in that sort of sprint at the end after that final safety car, even though his tyres were a little bit older than Carlos Sainz's, really it was quite neutralised. So it was almost like a, a 16 lap sprint race but we saw earlier in the Grand Prix how those DRS zones were perhaps really powerful and we saw some really easy passes and we know that Red Bull didn't even have the fastest you know top speed ahead of Ferrari today so Luke what was it about was it the, the kind of the traction zones or the setup they had that Max was able to deploy the tools that he needed to stay ahead and win the race? Yeah, it was it was down to the traction of the car. And as you said, the top line speed actually wasn't, um, sorry, the straight line speed wasn't actually, it, that's been Red Bull's big strength all season long. But today it wasn't really a massive advantage. And that did sort of turn the tables a little bit. And when you had that final sprint, as you say, Science had that five tire, five lap tire advantage. So that was obviously, that played a big factor. Had the, the DRS zones as well to work with as well. But it was really just the traction of the RB18. It was set up so, so well that through the first sector, Verstappen was able to pull enough clear that by the time they hit that first DRS zone, that there was enough of a buffer to Science. But then more crucially, I think it was when you got to the hairpin at turn 10, every single time they went into there, the science was getting close and getting near the DRS zone. And we'd have that, that, that trigger point where it pop open and he would start to near get closer to Verstappen as they went up the back straight. The traction that Verstappen got off turn 10 was just so much better than what, um, what science had. And that meant that every single time, although science was able to, yeah, close up thanks to the DRS, the damage was kind of already done. He couldn't get close enough to even go for a lunge or attempt to move. So I think that was, uh, it was interesting because after all season long, us seeing that Red Bull, when it hits its top speed, being so like, so powerful and both attacking other cars, but also defending as well. It kind of turned around uh, this weekend and yeah, it was uh, shows that the RB18 is a very complete package and uh, it's not just a, a one trick pony at all. Yeah, we couldn't see what they were going to do with two cars and how strategy would play out with Perez working his way back up um, through the field uh, today because it was a mechanical failure that caused a first virtual safety car as Checo retired. And it was really interesting, actually. I thought everyone would dive in and use that that advantage of a, of a cheap stop, Jess. Uh, but really, I mean, Verstappen uh, pitted from the lead and Hamilton as well uh, and others further back did. But I thought more would. But when you see Red Bull take those gambles, when a team isn't really on it, you kind of wonder, oh, is that a gamble too much? Red Bull seem so much on a roll, in control at the minute that when they did it, I'm like, well, everybody should follow what they're doing. Jess, what's your feeling at the minute on this run, this six-race run that they're, that they're on, this kind of cloak of invincibility that they seem to be, uh, uh, you know, as we come out of the street circuit era a little bit, having, they just look like they have found this this form that is that is barreling them towards what looks like, you know, the championships this year. Well, you're pretty invincible as long as your name isn't Sergio Perez. 
Um, right. But the, the, the Max Verstappen Red Bull package is a very, very strong package. But we've always known that. We saw it kind of come into fruition last season and this season. They haven't, apart from their, their niggles at the beginning of the season, um, they haven't really missed a beat. I mean, this is what their sixth, seventh win on the bounce. How many are we on now? Sixth win on the bounce. Um, they, they, the momentum is behind them. And, and as long as they don't have reliability issues, Max Verstappen is damn near unbeatable when he's when he's having a good time out there and he just seems to have a good time at pretty much any track that that we go to um so yeah it does you know we don't want to get too doom and gloom and max himself in all the press conferences you know he's always asked do you feel more comfortable you've got a 46 point lead now um do you start to kind of feel a bit more relaxed about things do you come into every race with the same kind of uh passion to need to win and obviously he's he's a formula one driver and a a world champion and he wants all he wants to do is win so but he definitely said you know we've still got so much longer to go in this season that you can't really let your foot off the 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 gas so to speak um but they he just looked absolutely unshakable today it's and it was really impressive because you could see you could I, I really love watching the body language of drivers and um I was lucky enough uh, again this weekend to kind of go trackside and especially yesterday when it was still so damp and wet and miserable conditions you could see which drivers just were com- had complete and utter confidence in their cars and which ones were kind of all over the place and I think um not quite the same because obviously we had a completely dry um race today um but you could see the difference between Max Verstappen and Carlos Sainz that, you know, you, you could almost f- hear the team radio almost from Carlos of like that desperation. Cause just don't forget, this is what are we on? Maybe the third time where he is almost clinched a win and he's been running second and chasing down the leader and it's still come to nothing. But you did see, like you saw Carlos making a couple of errors. You saw him go deep, too deep into the hairpin on that final um, attempt on the last lap Max didn't even put a single tire wrong. He said he had a couple of moments of where he felt like the car had understeered into corners, but he said he looked in the mirrors and he saw Carlos doing the exact same thing. So it kind of said it made him it made him relax that he was like, okay, we're having the same issues here, and it's not that I've made a mistake; it's that you know he can't catch me anyway. So it's just I don't I definitely don't want to become too pessimistic about where the season is going, but I think we all know where the season is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it is, I think that we are heading towards some some really interesting battles, and we're all going to be watching Carlos Sainz because you know he can't be a nearly man for much longer. Uh, Jess, you were around the teams this weekend. I saw you put in some stuff online because you were there at the Red Bull uh, picture they have with the you know the the uh, the trophies and the uh, and the champagne and the you know the board the P1 yes uh, and uh, and that so you've been you've been up close and personal is there a, you know, is there a feeling in formula 1 that that this was perhaps a turning point for ferrari maybe you know finding form a little bit it's not panic stations for carlos sainz you know he's been on the podium plenty of times but other drivers had to wait for their first win button did barrichello did bottas did so it's not panic stations yet but it, you know is there a feeling that carlos is you know it's just a matter of time I have been one of Carlos Sainz's biggest fans for so probably since about um, I think there was 2017 Baku. Uh, he was driving for Renault and I think he finished P5. And he, honestly, he just completely and utterly outperformed that car. And I always just thought he's somebody who, when he's in a midfield team, will constantly outperform the car. But as we've spoken about with a lot of these second drivers when they are boosted into the top and upper echelons of formula one it really does separate the men from the boys and i think would we all like to see carlos Sainz win a race i think absolutely i was egging him on in those final stages to just get that much closer and to take the win from max not because i thought max was undeserving max was complete and utter deserving winner today but just to keep the championship alive and it's days like today that Ferrari absolutely needed Carlos Sainz to win with Leclerc out and at the back with his PU issues um, and needing to replace it off the back of um, Baku Sainz had to deliver there was not I mean he did P2 is still a great result he came away with as much as he could have but 
it's it's days like today where they had the faster package they needed to win and it's just I don't know I don't know if Carlos quite he's going to need another scenario where Leclerc is out the picture for him to get that win because I think in a in a straight up dogfight between Leclerc and Sainz, Leclerc's going to be there and win every single day. Uh, Twenty six wins now for Max Verstappen, which puts him ahead in the wins list of people you may have heard of, like Nicky Lauda and Jim Clark and Fangio. Uh, apparently, they were quite good at driving cars once upon a time. Let's go to Matt Q. You're going to do some writing over the next couple of days, I'm sure, about. Uh, the different scenarios that could have played out. You wrote a brilliant piece for Autosport magazine about whether Leclerc would have won, could have won Baku. And so let's play that game um, a little bit. Are you going to be doing some thinking analysis about this of how could science, what are the scenarios where science possibly could have won? Could he have used the one-stop strategy? Could, you know, if Leclerc could have got through the pack any quicker, could Ferrari have used team orders somehow to try and uh, to get that win? What are you going to be thinking about to write about after this race, Matt? I'm going to be a bit more pessimistic this time and say I don't, in this case, think it's necessarily worthy of that sort of standalone analysis on the basis that I don't think really science had sort of too much left in his arsenal. So um, some of the some of the keynotes I wrote, wrote down at the time, so this is before the safety car. So Verstappen was tooling around on 23 lap newer tyres uh, with 24 laps to go and he had 9.5 seconds to close to science. And he was eating away about that time, about two tenths a sector and if you compare that to what Leclerc had what the analysis I did on Baku Leclerc was 13 seconds up the road and it was only like a four or five lap tyre offset so a much bigger swing in Verstappen's favour this time around so he's going to close that and yes you can argue about you know track position and actually getting by is another thing but we saw the DRS effect and granted the uh, Ferrari is doing all its sort of leg working at the at top speed higher end so he could have put up a fight to Verstappen under DRS but I still think there's enough of a pace swing there to set it off and then when the safety car comes into play then 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 Ferrari sort of almost has no choice it's a bit like a bit like what you're saying about uh, Verstappen pitting pitting earlier earlier on you know, with, with Leclerc out of the picture, with Perez out of the picture, yes, there's, you can't sort of split your strategies to cover someone off. But there's also, uh, for, for in that case, the Red Bull driver or in that case, the Ferrari driver, you've also not got like a double pronged attack coming at you. So as much as you can't cover off both strategies, you're also not having to defend from both strategies, if if that makes sense. So uh, I think I think in this case, uh, Verstappen probably had it licked anyway. And then I don't know if you want to go into the minutiae about What's up for grabs here? Yes, science yes. is trying to take the yes, fight. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, it's, it's more about, you know, yes, science is trying to take the fight to Verstappen, but he's also had, you know, a really miserable season. He's certainly underperformed relative to his teammate. So is he going to want to stick his nose on and, and, and bin it off in the grass or, or, or whatever and, and, and come to nothing? Second place in the context, probably a decent return given, you know, where, where we were talking about him after he binned it in the gravel in Australia, was taken out by Ricardo and Imola. Second place, Potentially almost being being flattered a little bit. He, this is a sort of a, a Miami 2.0 where it was Leclerc chasing on Verstappen. Now he had signs chasing on Verstappen. Didn't actually have a lunge on the inside, but he'll grab the headlines. He looks good because he was there or thereabouts. Second position here, having not had the pace sort of offset to defend a win when he had track position is, is, is a reasonable return. And he, he's done enough with Leclerc out the picture to sort of say, yeah, maximum returns for Ferrari on a on a, at a track where on paper the Red Bull was quicker anyway. But I'm not I'm not blown away by performance. So if I throw over to Alex Kalanorkas, who's beavering away doing driver ratings now, I'm probably not putting signs in that bracket of a nine or a ten this weekend. Surely you mean groundhogging away, Q, given where we are this weekend. Oh, superb, nice. superb. Uh, Luke, just uh, a word from you on how they chose to play out the strategy. Is there nothing that Ferrari di- could have done differently? You know, we were working with the three softest compounds here. Uh, it was only a 16 lap sprint at the end. I guess there was it. The safety car was quite a long period. So they might, they know that in you know that's hindsight, isn't it? It could have been longer. But is there anything Ferrari could have done to leapfrog Red Bull? And, and with the cars so evenly matched, you wouldn't normally say this about that circuit, but track position seemed to be quite important. You mentioned the length of the safety car period, and I think that is what ultimately 
backfired for Ferrari because when they brought Sainz in, that was quite a late call anyway. They were planning to always one-stop him um, prior to that late safety car period. And Verstappen said he wasn't sure whether he would have actually overtaken Sainz. Red Bull said their metric showed that actually probably at about 10 laps towards the end, as Q said, that move would have would have got done. Um, but yeah, but Ferrari, they brought Sainz in with 21 laps to go. And to them, they thought the hard tie was the way to go. We did see the mediums run a bit longer than that. We saw Leclerc do 29 laps on the mediums. That was the longest stint. So theoretically, they could have done that. But that long safety car meant it was a 16-lap sprint to the flag. And afterwards, Sainz said that, yeah, with hindsight, we could have probably even taken the softs, actually. And in that early warm-up phase of that stint, really, really push, try to attack Verstappen, get the move done, pull clear, get out of the RS range. And then that's it, the, the, the win is there. But that's that's really the beauty of hindsight. So I think that, um, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something they, they could have done. But again, they weren't to know until afterwards. At the time, it looked like the hard was the right way to go and that the the tire delta they gained plus the DRS advantage, that would have been enough to beat Verstappen. But ultimately, ultimately it wasn't uh, wasn't quite in the end. But um, yes, uh, for, for any, I will do a little plug now, for any of our um, uh, audience who enjoy our other content, such as the videos that we put out on our excellent YouTube channel, uh, we've uh, yeah got our paddock packed down from uh, Montreal where we analyse that science strategy and what Ferrari could have potentially done. So that'll be online at some point on uh, on Monday. Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton this weekend. In fact, let's talk about both Mercedes uh, with Hamilton and Russell because Hamilton chose to pit under the first VSC caused by Perez, lap nine, and then they kept Russell out. He chose to pit under the second one caused by uh, Mick Schumacher's retirement. And then uh, and they came home as well with a really decent points haul for Mercedes. Toto Wolf still talking about we need a rules change here or we need something. We know the FIA were taking measurements this weekend. Other team bosses saying, oh, you know, but particularly Christian Horner, really worried about Mercedes pace going into Silverstone. They're going to be really, really quick. What's your reading of Mercedes? Is this a real fix, true pace that we're seeing or is it circuit specific? What do you think? It feels like a bit of a step forward maybe and Toto Wolff, he, he spoke, uh, I believe, in our German uh, to our German colleagues and in that media session and he said that the issue isn't so much the porpoising now, it's the bouncing because they are two very different, um, well, not very different phenomenons, but they are they are different. Um, so, um, yeah, it was... Um, I think it was definitely a step forward this weekend. I think that they they looked firmly as as the third fastest team. And I think that both Russell and Hamilton drove drove excellent weekends. Russell obviously went for that gamble in qualifying, which was uh, yeah very exciting to see, even if it didn't quite uh, come off. And for Lewis, yeah, he was he was bouncing all weekend, which was not on track, uh, but like it's sort of physically out of the car. He was in a, a very good mood, which is really, really good to see. So um, yeah, I think that they can definitely be encouraged by this. And now we're going back to um, normal circuits and in inverted commas. It's a chance for them to yeah get sort of a bit of a better understanding of the car. We saw in Barcelona how much better they were. Christian Horner, we spoke to him after the race and he said, yeah, they're going to be a factor probably in, in Silverstone and in, in Paul Ricard. And I don't think it's maybe quite that much of a step that they'll be really in the lead fight but it definitely looks like they're more in the ballpark now so I think that they um yes come away with third and fourth I think that's a that's a great result for the team 12 months ago you'd have said no that's that's very poor by Mercedes standards but given where they are right now I think they can be really pleased with with what they've done this weekend so um yeah I wouldn't quite say they've turned a corner just yet but they're um they're getting there it feels like another little step forward Jess we're all going to be at Silverstone in a couple of weeks time and George Russell, of course, going to be a really big fan, Paul, now with the big team. Lewis Hamilton always is. Lando Norris, of course, will be as well. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, you wouldn't think that Mercedes and Red Bull could possibly be on the same piece of tarmac at the same time, given what's happened before at Silverstone between Max and Lewis. But, you know, their pace is looking better. Do you, are you feeling optimistic about how Mercedes might run at Silverstone? Because there's going to be, you know, a lot of of uh you know of merch on display a lot of fans in the stands they want to see a really great mercedes display are you feeling as as positive about them you want to be slightly optimistic obviously we we this is the kind of second race um really where i mean as we've been touching on anyway george has been putting in absolutely phenomenally consistent results given um given what we what we know about the mercedes struggles um but actually i asked um i asked lewis in the press conference today about because he what he has been making it very clear and known to us media types is that he has been running really experimental setups um and that's kind of partly to do with the comments that he came with out of um free practice when he said it was the worst car he'd ever driven because they'd gone down an, an avenue of it being extremely experimental and it 
clearly hadn't worked. So they took it all off. And that's why we've had a night and day scenario um, in terms of uh, Lewis looking actually really strong. And, you know, he was he didn't finish that far off the top two, which I know, again, given safety cars and bunching and, you know, we, we kind of lose some of those um, kind of, I guess, real pace gaps. But um, he, he was keeping on with them um and what he said I asked him you know are, you, are we going to continue to see you being the team's guinea pig and he kind of he laughed and he, he said maybe George should be the guinea pig for the second half of the season um given that he's given a lot including his back to uh to the setups uh, that Mercedes have been trying to uh, run to get to the bottom of their issues but um he 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 seemed like you know I asked him was there a light at the end of the tunnel and he, he see his he didn't quite say yes but he said that Mercedes were going to be far more cautious with the kind of setups that they're going to be using early early stages in the weekend. Um, so that would suggest that, you know, they're, they're, they're narrowing in on what is actually going to work. But as you say, you know, Silverstone and Montreal are two very different circuits. Um, so it's it's going to be it's going to be are they are the upgrades that they are that Red Bull are running, running scared of, which I do think is quite. It's a it's a bit of a pot staring, I think, there from from Christian. But um, yeah, if they, if they if they get if they nail those and they're competitive, then it'd be great to see both Mercedes up there and battling. Because again, if if Red Bull are going to be slowed down and we're going to have a title fight that lasts a little bit longer than halfway through the season, then we need we need them in there when for when Ferrari is falling or failing or suffering with reliability issues. That there's another team to keep them honest because right now they don't really have much of, of an answer. Um, Jess, were you surprised to see Charles Leclerc make heavy weather of that early running? I thought he would absolutely fly through the field. Perez made early progress. He didn't. I mean, obviously he finished fifth, so it, it came good in the end. I thought that Ferrari was going to be picking off you know, several cars a lap. Um, how did you read Charles Leclerc's race today? Do you think he'll come away happy? Uh, he seemed he seemed a bit surprised. I think that he ended up P five. Um, <laughs> he, he did seem a bit like, oh, okay, I'm here because it definitely didn't look that way um, up until we had that that last safety car. It just looked like he wasn't particularly happy on those hards. Um, it, we saw it when he switched to mediums. He did. He was making moves and he was getting. Um, the, the overtakes done under DRS, which is, he was very much stuck in a number of those DRS trains for a lot of the kind of first two phases of the of the, of the the race. And he was getting increasingly frustrated and a le- very despondent because I think he thought he was going to be flying up the order given um, the pace difference between um, the Ferraris and the rest of the, the rest of the grid. But it's not hugely easy to pass around Montreal. As Carlos said, you kind of need more than two or three tenths uh, a pace advantage to be able to get the move done um and so he just he they didn't they didn't have that when they were on the the hard compound tires so it looked better when they switched to mediums um and he was able to make some headway and then obviously kind of was one of the the beneficiaries of of the safety car late on so yeah i think was i surprised yeah, but we also know that the Ferrari sometimes has a real hard time with tyre warm-up um, and getting the tyres into the right window. And they, it can be quite a finickety beast when it comes to um, which tyres they seem to be able to switch on and, and, and work. And obviously this weekend, we've we've not really had a clean session for them to properly test that other than FP1. So um, that was probably one of the reasons why maybe uh, Leclerc struggled to, to start with. But as you say, P5, he was targeting P4. So considering how many mm. issues he had um, in the opening stages, I think he should be particularly pleased with P5. Shall I be? Shall I be miserable? And I know, I know, Jess covered this up with Hamilton, uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna linger on it too much. But what we had after that safety car, we had 16 laps of clean run into the flag, and uh, Hamilton was seven, seven seconds adrift uh, 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 across the line. So yes, as as Sky Sports are comment uh, are pointing out, you've got Verstappen and Sainz really pushing each other to a next level, gapping them. But in the space of sixteen seconds, uh, sixteen laps, you've got a seven second gap. So call that you know, be be generous or slash conservative with a small C. You've got you've got uh, three tenths per lap between. Um, between uh, uh, sort of Red Bull, Ferrari, and then Mercedes, uh, which is still better than sort of all the optimism that was coming out of Barcelona. You boiled it down, and there were sort of four tenths off. Uh, but so that's fine. And I also think that you know you, you stick a you stick a decent Leclerc in uh, and Perez sort of in there. Then then that is natural pecking order of fifth and sixth. For the longest time, I was uh, uh, looking at Leclerc's performance. 
okay, he had that late surge. But I was thinking, what what actually is it? Is a, a a good result in a context of him being behind in the championship when it is a two horse race? Because I was I kept going back to Brazil. 2021 and okay we had a sprint race which sort of helped Hamilton's cause but in that weekend he came from last to uh, last to win and we've had other examples where he come from the back to third second second and first so I was thinking actually is it as Jess said Leclerc was targeting fourth but is that even good enough in in the context of 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 the championship where it is now I'd I'd still come away from that sort of a, a bit frustrated that it's not it, it's it's I was having this chat with someone about uh, uh sort of just drivers in general, you have your tiers. Was was Leclerc's drive like a, a, a tier two and a half rather than a second tier or top tier performance? I think it was somewhere somewhere like that. And I put that, you know, obviously we could saw how much he was struggling with the differential. So getting the power down of turn 10, he was losing loads for, you know, particularly in his case, relying on that DRS and also getting stuck in a DRS train. But I think, I think in the context of the championship, what we are now, us first and foremost as fans before we are commentators or analysis on us we want to be seeing a podium to think yeah right that that Ferrari's got enough in hand that you know that even when Verstappen and Red Bull on a good day the Ferrari's properly in the fight I've I've come away just ever so slightly cold by that that fifth place for Leclerc brutal all right brutal let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll work our way down the rest of the finishing order stay there Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Let's talk a little bit about some of those drivers who were perhaps starting out of position, if I may say that, uh, and who may have underperformed a little bit or performed as you would expect them to during the race. Let's find out. We'll go to Luke and we'll talk about Fernando Alonso, an amazing front row start for Fernando Alonso. He wasn't targeting the race win today. He had very realistic expectations, but even so, a lowly result for him today. Still in the points, and also for any of our listeners that turned off the coverage straight after Luke, also a a penalty that you need to tell us about for Alonso. Yeah, it was it was it was a tricky one because I think we were so excited by Fernando starting second on the grid, and he said, oh, "I want to attack. I want to try and rediscover that feeling of leading a Formula One race." I think we were excited to see that, but in the end, yeah, it was it was a bit of a weird race really because even on the strategy, they didn't uh, they didn't seem very aggressive in terms of. Go, like pitting early under the VSC and they really kept Alonso out and kept him out and they said look we want to stretch out that medium tyre stint as long as possible so committing to, to the one stop but uh, he did have a uh, an engine issue that was that was costing him time in a straight line, and that obviously was a, a big impact on him. And it meant that sort of in the closing stages that he he was really really struggling to sort of make it any real inroads or headway. But um, yeah, I think it was the strategy that really undid his race. It allowed Esteban Ocon, his teammate, to, to get the jump and to get ahead of him. And then uh, yeah, we heard in the closing stages when um, Alonso was uh, pushing, and he was told look, just sit tight, basically hold position behind Esteban, and he said. All weekend, I've been a hundred times faster, and it was quite—it was quite a sort of savage thing to say. And you know, he definitely has been a step ahead of Esteban right the way through the weekend. But I mean, Ocon—he, I wasn't entirely happy with the Alpine either. He, I, I had a chat with him leaving the track uh, yesterday evening, and he was saying like he was le- losing four tenths per second in like two corners, and he said like that's not a normal thing. That's not something I do on talent. Like, that is a um, that—that's a car thing. I need to get looked at basically so um yeah i think for fernando a really big opportunity has passed by and again another penalty the, the five second time penalty for weaving uh, as you alluded to uh, that's dropped him two places in the final classification so he ends up ninth in the end which um yeah p2 to p9 it's really not a good return it was a big opportunity for alpine they didn't really fully 
maximise it, definitely not. Fernando felt, yeah, he could have otherwise maybe been in the fight for the podium had it not been for that um, for, for the issue. Uh, he said he was driving kamikaze in some of the corners to try and get the DRS pick up so he could make up some of the, the, the straight line speed he was losing. So, um, yeah, a bit of a sobering day for Alonso and a real shame because I think we all wanted to see that kind of um, old Alonso back in full force. I called him that on the podcast last night. <laughs> Finished P2, obviously was qualified P2, brilliant result. The race, though, yeah, another frustrating one, another opportunity missed. And it just seems to be such a running story for the, uh, for Alonso come Sundays this season. Was their strategy to make the one-stop work then? Because they gave away the chance to stop under the first two virtual safety cars. And then only a few laps later, they stopped under normal race conditions, giving away the maximum amount of time. So obviously they weren't to know that a full safety car was coming later. But when you spoke to the team, it was like, were they thinking, right, we're going to one-stop this like Leclerc did, and that's the quickest way to run this race? Because I, I couldn't understand why they'd give up both opportunities to, to stop. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they were banking on a, a full safety car, perhaps around the pit window of when they wanted to come in and make that one pit stop. But it was pretty clear that, yeah, they were they were gunning for for, for the one stopper. And um, I mean, th- there's credit to that. Obviously, we saw that's what Ferrari were going to do with science. And uh, but yeah, it just seemed very it was very odd when they just kept going and kept going, and kept going. And a lot of people were like, well, hang on a minute. When are they actually coming in? It was quite it was, it was quite odd. Um to see that happening and I, I don't I didn't really understand it and again we're, we're not strategists we're not, we're not paid anywhere near <laughs> enough money to uh, or have anywhere near the knowledge to, be nice. um, be, um, to, uh, to, to know obviously that kind of uh, that, that, that kind of stuff but, and sort of what the inner workings of the team and what they were planning there but it just seemed very it, but yeah it was kind of like if everyone was going for sort of plan A or plan B they were on plan F or something it was very odd Jess can we talk about the Haas drivers because they qualified so well in unusual conditions and we saw Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher lining up um, fifth and sixth and I think even for the neutral fan it would be so good to have either of those drivers get a great result after a great qualifying but we saw ah heartbreak for Mick to retire um, on a mechanical is that three is that three in a row now for that team on power unit failures in a row. It's something like that. It's just, you know, they need to get on top of this, but also just heartbreak as well for the Haas team, even if they didn't have, you know, they never had the pace, out- outright pace, did they? But I don't know, are you, are you feeling as, as sympathetic towards them as I am? I mean, <laughs> I guess it, dep- <laughs> it depends on what side of the fence you fall on because... Oh, no. It, it, uh, I... I struggle with Kevin Magnuson. <laughs> What's K-Mag done to you? As a concept or? As a, as a concept, no. Uh, no, only only because, right, I think he's doing amazing this season. I think I think his performance yesterday was amazing. I think, you know, he's, he's doing, he is dragging that ass um, a lot higher than probably you could, would argue it, it deserves to, to be. Obviously it's, a, it's much better than it was last year, but that wasn't, that wouldn't be particularly difficult. Um, but uh, like, it's great. It's great to see him be so racy. Like he had a, he had a really quite pushy start. He got a great start off the line to, to start with and obviously found himself side by side with Lewis Hamilton. Um, and that's where he picked up, picked up the damage, but you just know, like he doesn't back out. And I, this is what this is what I mean I struggle with you've got to admire him for it because he doesn't back out but at the same point he doesn't back out and then he ends up with damage and then you end up having to 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 be forced to pit by the FIA he obviously got showed the black and orange flag because it was deemed un, unsafe to quote Monty Python tis but a scratch that, that's Monty Python isn't it yes yes, yes. excellent I got that Absolutely. reference correct the, the black knight that is essentially what K-Mag said about the front wing he said it's silly like you've got a little scratch on the front wing and you've got to, to, to come in and pit and um, yeah he said that he was talking to Ocon about it after the race and said he just doesn't understand the inconsistency this season between Mbaku they literally use sticky tape to, to put together Yuki Tsunoda's um, rear wing and, and stop the DRS from, from flapping open. True. And then there's a bit of a scratch on uh, Magnuson's end plate and it's like, nope, you've got to come in straight away. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 can't, I see where you're coming from, Jess. Like, I get that, yeah, Kevin, he does he does keep his foot in in situations like that. And that, that's really cool to see. And it does, okay, have a, it's a high-risk, high-reward situation. But in a case like that, yeah, it was like half licked it and went, yeah, actually, it's not, it's not too bad. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that much for issue so um yeah i think k mag was massively disappointed but it was um yeah another opportunity missed for Haas. like and even with with mick i mean yeah real 
gutting setback for him. But it's just like the team obviously started the season so well. The rest of the midfield, they've developed, they've taken these big steps forward. Haas have been much more conservative with their upgrades. Um, it may not be until Hungary they bring their major upgrade packages. That's going to be the last big one for the season. And I kind of feel like the ship might have sailed for them to have really got any massive results this season. Like They've done very well, massively better than last year, a real big step forward. But it just kind of feels like they're still going to end up probably ninth again in the Constructors' Championship, which is, uh, given all the hype in pre-season, given how well they started in, in the early rounds of the year, it just does feel a little bit disappointing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely gutting for them, not by their own doing in this race, but, yeah, you kind of feel like has the ship sailed on them to get any like huge breakthroughs this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Ocon finishing ahead of Alonso, of course, once the time penalties shake out um how do you feel the race was today for for alpine from your perspective because we saw him in baku they did really well with the you know the barely there rear wing and low downforce package and making the most of track positions nobody could get past them you feeling like they overperformed underperformed or about where they should be I think on paper it's where they should be, isn't it? First, first measure is you add back in Leclerc and Perez into that into that natural pecking order, so that bumps them um, them down. And, and even if you even if you charitable and take away Alonso's penalty, and it's all sort of fair and equal, then what that bumps Ocon down to sort of a more natural eighth place and then and then you take another step back further from that and you think this is Alpine which is okay scratch away that A and it and it's a diamond for Renault and it's this massive works program and they're still sort of despite the the regulation shift we're a third of the way through the season uh, it's sort of business as usual and and, and is it is it even that in terms of their pecking order they've they've sort of come to the fore and, and grabbed the headlines with their top speed at two sort of low downforce tracks but they've properly been in that midfield mire you know with your Alpha Touring, Alpha Romeo, or other tracks. So it is is that great thing about that sort of class B battle as you like if you like is a two and a throw. Again, it's an Alpine. Surely you should expect more. Um I, I don't I don't know. I, I I'm afraid I had to go and kill a spider or so, uh, uh, put a spider out of his misery while while Luke was talking. But I don't know if he uh, I don't know if he uh if when he was talking about Alonso's race, he used that amazing phrase he coined a few podcasts ago, which is the Fernando Alonso tax. Uh, I really like that bit of team radio from Alonso sort of late in where he said, despite my engine issue, I'm a hundred times faster than Ocon, but they, they were, they were pretty evenly matched. Again, you've got that, you've got that where it's this, this bunch of races where Alonso has been seen as a star performer or hasn't things got away from him. And again, Ocon's left some, left some on the table compared to his teammate, but, but still finished ahead. Again, like where's where's the inspiration from? I, I wanted to see Ocon. Uh, I wanted to see sorry Alonso really sort of send it down the inside into turn turn one. And okay, the race played out differently. We had the safety car. Signs did a better job than I initially expected. Who wasn't really thinking when Alonso hasn't had a sniff in on the first lap? Who's really thinking? Our oh, our oh, Verstappen's going to lose this at this point. I want to see a li- a little bit more. And again. To, to throw back, I know I don't want to go around in circles, but to throw back to the Alpine strategy call, in their situation, I feel like track position is critical. And so therefore you play what's right in front of you. Whereas very, very quickly tuning into the team radio, they decided actually we're racing Hamilton, who at that point I think was what, f- uh, fifth at that point? They were like, you know, abandoned abandoned hopes of the lead or even going for second. They, they turned their attention to that. And then, I, 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 and then just to go over what, what Jess and Luke said, you know, they've rated one virtual safety car and a second. At that point, the, you know, to twist as many analogies, the, the, the cards, are, the, the, the hands change, the cards have changed, whatever. You need to play what's in front of you. You need to play the person opposite you. Yeah, they, they had that strategy. And then when you see the virtual safety car, which, you know, you can account for it because it's a street circuit, but you don't know when it's going to come, if it's going to come. And you see... If you are battling Hamilton and he's taken a new set of tyres on lap nine, and then you see him make that uh, that pass around the outside of Ocon going into turn one, DRS assisted, yes, and you all of a sudden you go, okay, well there's this big pace advantage there. I know, I know where you're coming from. Uh, we've talked about midfield teams and uh, etc. and and you know the battle there. And I've just realised we're over halfway in. Uh, we're three quarters of the way, and I've not given you a rundown of the drivers and constructors championship as we like to do. Max Verstappen leads the way on 175 points. Sergio Perez 46 points behind, as just noted, on 129 points. Uh, Charles Leclerc 
in third, still behind Perez, despite that Perez DNF. Uh, Charles on 126. And then Mr. Consistency, George Russell, just keeps pumping in top five finishes on 111 points. Uh, Carlos Sainz on 120. To Lewis Hamilton, 77. There was a wonderful piece uh, of um, kind of F1 karma. Not, not that's the wrong word. Um, weirdness. Uh, where earlier today, before uh, Alonso's penalty, um, uh, we had Lewis Hamilton on 77 points in the drivers' championship, and Valtteri Bottas on 44. They swapped numbers until Alonso got his penalty, and he ruined it all. Thanks, Fernando. And in the midfield battle, it really is a midfield battle. Red Bull on a heart of 304, Ferrari on 228, Mercedes on 188, and then nothing until McLaren on 65 points. And so... You know, it's it's two teams out in front. It's one team out in front with Red Bull um, and then Ferrari Mercedes and then just a big old midfield battle uh, with McLaren all the way down to, well, you'd probably say McLaren, LP and Alfa Romeo on a decent points haul. Um, let's work our way down a little bit more. Um, and I'll open this one up. If as any members of the Zhou Guan Yu uh, fan club in the house tonight, okay, Luke and Jess want to have a go on this one. Live from right, Montreal. So, uh, across, the, across the line in ninth, it's a net eighth with the penalty. That's deserved. That, that's on pace and that's that's real. Okay, Luke, I'll let you go first. Bear in mind, Guan Yu Zhou never drove in on this track before and it rained for a lot of the sessions. It was a wet qualifying and he hung it out to get into Q3 start in the top 10, bring home points, put in a couple of really good overtakes, drive a brilliant race, only lose out to his teammate because of the safety car that worked towards Bottas. I mean, it was just a brilliant weekend from him. I'm so, so impressed. And I think that we talked about this on uh, the Saturday podcast, kind of the the sort of, not scepticism, but when Joe joined the grid, it was like, okay, yeah, we know there's sort of financial backing involved. And obviously it's great for everyone having a Chinese driver and things like that. But is he one of the best 20 drivers in the world? Let's see. But actually, I think he's been fantastic this season. He's really proved his worth. He's proved he deserves a place on the F1 grid. And I think today, more than anything, that 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 summed it up. He's had a, a real rotten run of luck. And today, that all came to an end. It was such a complete weekend. And uh, yeah, talking to him after the race, like he was just, yeah, again, just electric. He was so, so happy with, with the result and with the points. And um, I said, I mean, was there any part of you that was like, oh, I could have maybe got a bit more? I think he was running as high as um, seventh at one point. Obviously him and he was running just behind Mick Schumacher when um, Mick had his failure. But he said, look, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Like you look at the cars ahead of them, you've got um, t- two Ferraris, a Red Bull, two Mercedes, the Alpines as well. And like actually... Alpha, they're not fighting them right now. Again, Alpha, they've been quite conservative with their upgrades. So they kind of know where they are in that midfield fight. But um, no, I think he deserves all the credit in the world for his display today. Two points. I just, yeah, really, really one of the standout performers this weekend. And again, just I can't put home enough. He'd not driven this track before. It rained. It was such a tricky weekend for him to go into. And he absolutely smashed it. And Jess, anything to add I mean- on Joe? Big fan. Is there anything to add to that? I mean, I mean, I think, I think was Luke was pretty, Luke. pretty. Yeah, covered it pretty much everything. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I get passionate about things I'm excited about. I concur. That's we it, can basically. we can move on and talk. We can talk Bottas. I mean, I'm happy to give you that one, Jess. Sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I don't, I don't really. Again. Again, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I run out of I run out of um, things to say about Bottas, and I, don't, I really don't want this to come over. Like I don't have anything to say. I think he's just he's he's been consistently good in terms of where that alpha should be. Um, and as Luke said, I think he he got he got off a little bit fortunate just because of the safety car. But again, he had to make that um, r- super long. Uh, stint work so we had to manage the tyres and, and, and stand defend um, and I think he did a really good job of, of doing of doing both um, and so the fact that we, we all know this is Formula 1 certain scenarios go in your favour and others massively against you so um, definitely won't hold that against him for even if I think yeah Joe maybe had a slightly stronger weekend than him and a m- arguably more impressive weekend than him but again strong points haul for Alfa Romeo both drivers putting in what they need to put in he's a happy boy at Alfa and then Matt we're all going to be at um, at Silverstone doing various different things but you're going to be one of the team who'll be talking uh, to the teams and when you're talking to McLaren 
what are you going to be asking them about how they move forward from that? Now, I saw a tweet pretty quickly from Zach Brown saying, not a great weekend, but we learned things. And then from the drivers as well on their social media saying, well, you know, it's one to, uh, Lando, sorry, Lando said, uh, in the bin. Canada goes in the bin. But we learn things and we move forward. That is the language of, you know, not only elite sport, but everything, because you've got to keep focused on moving forward. But... Uh, that was a shocker for McLaren with botched pit stops, not the greatest car performance. Uh, you know, Matt, as you catch up with the team going into their home home race, uh, what are you going to be asking them and, and, and about their performance? Yeah, that was one of the, the, when you ever have a bad day in racing and you need to put out press release, you have like the, the stock phrases, which isn't it? Lessons learned or trying day or something like that. And McLaren was text, textbook in that one. Throwing ahead to Silverstone is a bit of an odd one because I, the McLaren, they're, they they got a good car balance and and it's it, it's fine but their their main problem is lacking sort of low speed is that's where it, where it struggles the most and despite that they sort of you know we're we're on the money in, in Monaco and it's sort of been been off kilter so when they when they had that upturn in form in uh, in Australia like yeah that fits in and and they but they were coming away saying oh it's just a good weekend it don't don't expect this we're not now at the at the front of the midfield we're still you know having taken this stepwards step backwards in 2022 so it's been really hard to place them and then and then again when it, uh, Norris got that opportunity to podium in Imola today was just a bad one then you had the mix of where does that stem from lack of car pace it wasn't good obviously you know you throw back to to qualifying Norris had that uh, that that uh, PU calibration error, uh, which which meant he was down on pace and 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 uh, was late out into the session. Didn't say at time. You've got Ricardo, who's obviously had a in a, in a nice little spell and keyword little for now. It's only a couple of races where he's been ahead of Norris, but but sort of had that run on him. And then and then it, it but it's a procedure again. You look at the team where they've double stacked the 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 two drivers. Ricardo has been in first. They've had a they've had a problem with the tires. Uh, I think was it was it. I think this is the right way around. Where uh, was it? Ricardo's in has a slow. I think it's front right. Norris comes in. Tires aren't ready, and when they put him on, there's a mix up between the medium and hard. And okay, you're you're reacting on the fly there in a virtual safety car conditions, but you know when the, when the car's not been in pace and you've had operational errors, reliability errors all weekend, that just compounds it. No pun intended with the with the you know tire mix up. So. A bad one, and it's it's oh, it's almost very good <laughs> to, to, to end on like another one of those stock stock press release phrases. I think it's one where you move on to you move on to the next race, isn't it? This one's ticked. You, you draw a line on under it, but I, I McLaren perhaps along with Alpine, where you've got this track to track fluctuation, is one of those where in this midfield cut and thrust. I, I don't actually know where they lie, really. You you would say on paper you put them both towards the top end of that, but is that because they've got bigger budgets? Is that because they've got the stronger drivers or they had the headline flashy results? But, you know, when, when the season plays out, you've got Haas, who are comparable on pace, but just not picking up the points. But Alfa Romeo are. So, you know, is that sort of cliche tortoise and hare approach going to pay off for, for Alfa Romeo later down the season? Because it was a disappointing day Dave from McLaren and and as, as part of this sort of overall step backwards they've taken this season this was this was again sort of towards uh, Bahrain Saudi low point and and a- after that low point they said Australia was a flash in the pan good point so to, has that now turned around now where they've had a good run of races and this is just a bad day and they get over it or is this actually sort of a fairer reflection of where they are but yeah not not a good one and, and particularly probably on Norris's side Ricardo, maybe there's a bit of, bit of saving face that yeah okay McLaren have had a bad day but you finish ahead of your, your highly rated teammate as you know as Almost like that teacher student thing where they say, uh, you know, Matt Q, you, you're 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 not very good at physics. You're going to get a bad grade here, and I'm like, oh, screw you, teacher. I'm going to revise the hell out of this, and then and then you get the good grade. And oh, this is what I was planning all along. Zach Brown's obviously played that, and it's working well with Ricardo. But um, yeah, not not a good day for McLaren. Uh, so I spoke to Blando after the race, and he was pretty um, he was pretty downbeat about things. And um, yeah, he said it's yeah everything went wrong. It was a, it was a very very bad day, and. Um, Q, your point about not really knowing where McLaren is right now. Even McLaren doesn't know that. And Lando himself, he said, look, there are times when it looks great, but it's never really genuine pace. We're, we're there on luck 
because that's why we're sort of fighting up the order at times. And um, I think it's uh, it's a real like yo-yo as to where McLaren is right now. So I think that um, yeah, for all of the lessons learned and everything, they are I think very very confused by that car. I think they still don't get it. They still need more performance. So uh, yeah, tough day for him. And um, he, he was asked by one of our uh, media colleagues like, "Are you going to go and watch uh, the US Open golf that's going on?" So he's a massive golf fan. He was just like, "I just want to go home for a cold bath and an ice cream." And it was like that's a, that's a big mood actually. I, I relate to that. As we move on to Silverstone, yes, I mean, there is no uh, more of a home team than Aston Martin. I was up at Silverstone about a month ago um, when there was some track day stuff up during a weekday. And you can't help but notice all the building work they're doing up there in terms of the investment Aston Martin are putting in and Lance Stroll picking up a point in 10th and Sebastian Vettel coming home in 12th is uh, definitely not what they are investing all that money for. Four and, and and doing some big hiring as well. So again, pressure on. Uh, actually, not. I thought today was a, a a very good day for Aston Martin. All things considered, they uh, were pretty quick through through practice. We saw Vettel up in what P two and FP three, and uh, it was a, a tire pressure issue that basically um, cost them in qualifying. It caused both uh, Vettel and Stroll to drop out in Q one. But then come the race, the pace was the, the pace was there. Stroll ran um, yeah quite quite an ambitious strategy, and then we saw towards the end they were on the fringes of the points. And Aston said to Vettel, uh, Stroll pissed under the safety car. Vettel hadn't he didn't have any tyres left and Aston said to Vettel let, let Lance pass we're going to see if he can attack Ricardo and give it a go for a point and Vettel was like yep sure so he went for that and, and Stroll pulled it off brilliantly he managed to finish uh, uh, pick off Ricardo and finish five seconds up the road so to come away with a point given where they started was very very good I think it's another step forward in terms of the upgrade they've got the uh, the red the green Red Bull that obviously concept that is uh, yeah I think working really well for them now so uh, yeah we spoke to team principal Mike Crack after the race and he said that um, look we're still keeping our feet on the ground we don't want to be overly ambitious but I think today given where they started they can actually be pretty pleased to come away with the points so um, yeah and I mean yeah you mentioned sort of the building work and everything going on this is a team very much in progress and it's about working towards the future and it's not going to be an overnight thing. And um, yeah, they started the season obviously terribly with the, the car concept that was all wrong, but actually they're now moving in the right direction. And the fact they can rescue a point from a pretty disastrous qualifying, I think, uh, yeah, deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. And a, a point for home hero, Lance Stroll, but uh, at the other end of the, the grid, a uh, fellow Canadian Nicholas Latifi in the uh, in the Williams 16th teammate Alexander Albon in 13th upgrades to come we know for Williams um, and again uh, work to do there working our way down who haven't we mentioned uh, Pierre Gasly in the Alpha Tauri in 14th and uh, we talked about the others uh, just working our way down Lando uh, 15th Nicholas Latifi 16th and the last of the finishers. Uh, 17th, Kevin Magnusson. Okay, let's move forward to Silverstone. And in a couple of weeks' time, uh, it's going to be a massive, massive event. Uh, We'll all be there. Jess, definitely one of the highlights, I mean, for anyone working in Formula One, regardless of where you live, uh, to go to to Silverstone. What's your favourite place to watch there? Oh, that's a good question. So... Obviously, very fortunate in that Silverstone used to be on my doorstep when I was growing up. So, um, have had the opportunity to have gone on numerous times. And I would say to anyone who hasn't been to a Grand Prix, this isn't just apply for Silverstone. It applies to pretty much any Grand Prix you go to. But to get the full experience, you always use Friday to walk as much of the track as you can to pick a spot to watch for quali and a spot to watch for the race. Um, And... With Silverstone, you're almost spoilt for choice, which is which is great. Um, but there are some absolutely amazing, amazing places to watch. Qualifying, you have to watch through Maggots and Beckett's because nowhere will you see a Formula One car uh, going at full tilt quite as spectacularly as, as I think through through that complex. Um, but my favourite spots to watch the the race is actually at Vale um, because when you stand at Vale, I mean Vale is 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 where you know proper general access uh you turn up with your um your kind of camping chair you have to be there from about six in the morning to get a good spot uh everybody kind of my memories of that are people passing 
um, cups of tea and bacon baps down massive queues of people, like lines of people in their in their camping chairs. Um, but the great thing about Vale is obviously you get um, you can see a little bit. Um, uh, just just a section down the hangar straight coming into Stowe so you get a great shot of cars kind of going at full tilt then into a, a good braking area which is where as we know a lot of the overtakes around Silverstone tend to happen and then they fly through Vale um, and around Club and onto the onto the start finish straight on the international um, pit straight so uh, that's probably one of my favourite spots to watch uh, to watch the racing from and uh, we're looking forward to it. We can't wait to uh, go go back there, Luke. If you have a choice of where you watch uh, Silverstone, where would you where would you plonk yourself? Mm, yeah, I reckon Maggots Beckett's um, cops. I mean, that, even that is that's amazing seeing them go through through that. Uh, but even like the, the complex when they come up to the end of the Wellington Straight, and you're into uh, Brooklands and Luffield. I mean, it's just really great seeing that side by side action. I think they have the um, sort of spider cam that goes all the way along that that uh, section mm. which is really uh, really cool so yeah it's um i remember jess and i a couple of years ago did a podcast about um tracks and i said oh silvs and yeah i'm not really not a big fan like it's a bit a bit rubbish <laughs> and honestly now i'm looking back and like what what was what was what was i what doing was I like, the, the depths of lockdown really got to me because i uh, know nah, it's a it's a tremendous place and i'm um I, I mean, I've not been there since uh, the 2020 races, so I'm uh, very excited to get back to Silverstone. It's uh, yeah, a very special place, and um, your home Grand Prix. That's always that's always a pretty cool thing. Brilliant. Yeah, I used to, uh, my first my first Silverstone uh, was before there were the grandstands at Woodcut. So you'd see I'd, uh, my parents used to take me as a teenager. Uh, so you'd see them coming under bridge straight towards you, and you'd never see any over- overtaking really. But you'd get to see the cars for a nice long time. Uh, and again, before the era of all the big fancy grandstands, you could get there nice and early and get your spot and sit on a on a grass verge and some brilliant memories of uh, of growing up with uh, with mum and dad and my brother going as well. Um, Matt, we're looking forward to what you got to, to say over the next couple of days on autosport.com and make sure you grab Autosport magazine this Thursday, as always, when it's out, if you're not a subscriber already. Uh, Matt, what will you be writing about uh, for this week's magazine? Uh, well, the customary thing after Grand Prix is to do our top 10 things. I'll be, uh, I'll be trawling over the race. I'll get up uh, a couple of cups of coffee in the morning and, and re-watch it to sort of take away our 10 things. So a couple of sort of shortlist, uh, shortlist now is the, the wider debate over the F and porpoising and having this weekend to observe before they before they step in and obviously the fine line between porpoising and bouncing and a bit more on sort of this Verstappen, Leclerc or overall Red Bull Ferrari fight uh, then plenty of stuff I'm going to help Alex with a bit of magazine coverage talking about some of the sort of uh, away from so we have a we have a word count which is sort of two and a half thousand words which go surprisingly quickly and then you've still got you know, two thirds of the race still to tell. You've got covered off that lead battle, so a bit of that on the smaller teams, and then uh, and then why I'm going into such depth is because part three of this is I have to write a column with a really cutting topic, but I don't have my cutting topic to hand, so I thought I'd go a bit overboard on on some of the details. But there'll be something along those lines, and then uh, then hopefully by the time this goes out, we might be a bit closer to getting some uh, an interview with some top brass at Silverstone, and we're putting together a real mega package with uh, stuff on Hamilton, Norris, and uh, and Russell ahead of the home Grand Prix summing up their seasons and, and also uh, hopefully sort of talking a bit about the state Silverstone finds itself in because it's it's almost in a uh, uh, oh, I want to say a unique place maybe that's not fair but it's not in the category of being at risk at, at, at Spa or Monaco or France anything like that and how it is it's a real success story how it sort of used Covid to make itself uh, really valuable to F1 by having this British Grand Prix and the 70th anniversary Grand Prix how it's expanding with the hotel and coming along and, uh, and sort of uh, uh, there's a lot of good, good, good news around Silverstone. I, I remember uh, being at the press conference a few years ago when it announced this uh, this new contract with F1, and I got a distinct impression, although not a lot was said, judging by the smiles on the Silverstone chief executive's face and Chase Carey's face, that Silverstone had got a really good end of that deal compared to Liberty and and uh, uh, whether that's true or not I'm not 100% sure but they seem pretty confident that the numbers certainly worked in Silverstone's f- favour and how they've uh, to use a really horrible phrase they've been diversifying their portfolio and so a bit of a uh, bit of talk about all of that will be in uh, Autosport magazine I'm sure I can do a nice longer version for autosport.com and a plus subscriber area lovely good plug for that if you're coming along lots to watch on track there's W Series there's obviously going to be uh, Formula 2 Formula 3 bit of Porsche Super Cup uh, plenty to watch on track uh, and if you're in the fan village as well uh, come and 
find us. There might be a few things to uh, to watch that we're getting up to as well. Thank you for listening to the Autosport Podcast uh, today. You can get in touch with all of these guys on their channels. I know they would love to hear from you uh, between now and then. Make sure you subscribe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. ...to Autosport Plus to get the very best motorsport writing on the planet. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Just Because Deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just two fifty. dollars Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.